keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be God. Today is Thursday, May 25th, 2023. The feast of Pope St. Gregory the seventh saint gregory the seventh a pope known for his unwavering teachings defended the pope's rights over the church and the spiritual authority over the temporal realm his most controversial work the dictatus pape faced criticism for progressive theologians and expressed his view on the relationship between the pope and the emperor specifically concerning the emperor's control over the church affairs and the election of bishops St. Gregory VII vigorously opposed the emperor's interference, aiming to dismantle the imperial government's ambitions and humiliate its pretensions. He succeeded in asserting the authority over the papacy over temporal matters. The Dictatus Pape outlined St. Gregory VII's belief in the papal monarchy as a universal spiritual authority. While the temporal power governed independently, the Pope's influence over the empire was significant. The temporal power was seen as a tool to protect the Catholic Church, defend the faith, and combat its enemies. Acting under the Pope's guidance, this concept established two distinct and independent powers, the spiritual under the Pope and the temporal under the emperor and secular rulers. St. Gregory VII's victory over the emperor solidified the papacy as the center of society during the Middle Ages. The pope held the highest position, followed by the emperor and then the temporal sovereigns. The entire Catholic hierarchy stood alongside the pope in the spiritual realm. In essence, everything relied on the pope's authority. On this feast day of St. Gregory VII, we are encouraged to seek his intercession for the restoration of this vision, which harmonized the spiritual and temporal orders. The revival of the perspective will mark the dawn of the reign of Mary. Similarly, when the reign of Mary arrives, the vision will be realized. So let us pray to Gregory VII, asking God to bring back his sublime vision to earth, for it holds the key to finding the right path in our lives. Pope St. Gregory VII, pray for us. And happy Thursday to you. Praise be to God. It is, in fact, May 25th. We are almost to the weekend, almost to the end of the month. Can you believe it? It's kind of crazy. It's creeping up on me. But uh, joining us right now is our producer, Tito Edwards. Good morning to you, Tito. Good morning, Adrian. Yeah, it's incredible. It's coming up so quickly. Pentecost Sunday and so many other activities. And, of course, the unofficial start of summer for Memorial Day. I'm curious, has there been any conclusion or final decisions on what the wardrobe will be on uh, Sunday? I mean, at this point, I, just, I don't have anything to, any, to wear. If anyone wants to uh, recommend a Pentecost outfit, I'd be very uh, interested in, in pulling that up and maybe uh, pulling up at Mass with uh, that, kind of, that kind of outfit. But let's see here. At 15 past the hour, we're going to be talking with Catholic Vote about Target uh, boycott. A very interesting situation going on with uh, the, with Target. I'm actually kind of encouraged because I honestly did not expect a Target boycott to work. Um, but it seems like this may be a path to victory. At 30 past the hour, we're going to be talking about trauma and how to recover from it. A very interesting book was just published and I was going through it. And it seemed like a very interesting situation. The title of the book is 
The Christ Cure, 10 Biblical Ways to Heal from Trauma, Tragedy, and PTSD. Very interesting. And if we have time, we're going to talk about an open letter to confused seminarians, an article out by 1 Peter 5 uh, with uh, the author is uh, Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. And in the next hour, Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today will be on to discuss the virtues. Plus, we have our game show, Fear and Trembling. So a lot going on this hour. Let's get started because um, whew, it's going to be a jam-packed show. Uh, it's going to be rapid fire. You're going to want to stay tuned for all of it. So let's begin in prayer. We're going to be praying for your intentions, whatever it is that you have going on in your life, uh, that you finish out you know, the rest of the school year strong, whatever. Maybe your kids are in school still. Maybe you're in college. Maybe you know, you're doing nothing and everything's just a normal day to you. And so whatever it is that's going on in your life for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for, we're going to offer up these prayers to the Blessed Virgin and because today we're still in the month of Mary, and so we pray the Subtuum Presidium, a third century prayer dedicated to the Blessed Virgin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Subtuum Presidium Confugimus Sancta Dei Genitrix Nostra Deprecationes Nedespicias in Necitatibus, Sed Apericulis Cuntis Libra Nos Semper Virgo Gloriosa et Benedicta. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Despise not our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers. O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Thursday, May 25th, Anno Domini 2023. And these are your headlines. Catholic News Agency is reporting a 41-year-old woman has been arrested and charged in connection with causing more than $78,000 in damages in a Tuesday arson attack at the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe in De Plains, Illinois. The 60-acre shrine, which receives hundreds of thousands of pilgrims each year and is meant to spread devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, operates under the auspices of the Archdiocese of Chicago. Virginia Roque-Furman of Arlington Heights, Illinois, was charged with one felony count of arson, police said. LifeSite News is reporting Target removes some LGBT merchandise linked to transgender Satanist designer after backlash. Target is removing products associated with Eric Carnell, an LGBT activist who promotes satanic imagery and violence against people who oppose transgender ideology. Oh, while various Pride Collection products are under review, the only ones now being removed are the LGBT brand Ab Pralin, which has come under scrutiny for its association with British designer Eric Carnell, Reuters reported on Tuesday. The company is also reviewing some of its swimsuits and, quote, children's merchandise, end quote, that promotes transgenderism. Catholic World News and RSRNS is reporting, according to radio host Terry Barber, Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas, who has been critical of Pope Francis for failing to uphold fundamental Catholic doctrine, was admonished by the Apostolic Nuncio in the Archdiocese of in the Archbishop U.S. Conference. According to Barber, Archbishop Pierre told Strickland to stop talking about the deposit of the faith. Neither Bishop Strickland nor the Apostolic Nuncio would comment on the report. And finally, LifeSite News is reporting far-left California mayor invites anti-Catholic drug drag nuns to Angels baseball game. The anti-Catholic group Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence has received another invitation to another baseball game in the city of Angels, this time from self-described Catholic Anaheim Mayor Ashley Aitken. 
The group's routine is a blasphemous mockery of Catholicism, a self-described leading-edge order of queer and trans nuns, complete with slogan, Go Forth and Sin No More. Past members include Sam Brighton, a former Biden administration nuclear energy official who has been repeatedly accused of stealing luggage from airports. Those were your headlines this morning. May God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. It is not only for them that I pray. I pray for those who are to find faith in me through their word, that they may all be one, that they too may be one in us, as though Father art in me and I in thee, so that the world may come to believe that it is thou who sent me. And I have given them the privilege which thou gavest to me, that they should all be one as we are one. And whilst thou art in me, I may be in them, and so they may be perfectly made one. So let the world know that it is thou who hast sent me, that thou hast bestowed thy love upon them as thou hast bestowed it upon me. This, Father, is my desire that all those who thou hast entrusted to me may be with me where I am so as to see my glory thy gift made to me, and that love which thou didst bestow upon me before the foundation of the world. Father, thou art just. The world has never acknowledged thee, but I have acknowledged thee, and these men have acknowledged that thou didst send me. I have revealed and will reveal thy name to them, so that the love thou hast bestowed upon me may dwell in them, and I too may dwell in them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The commentary for the Gospel today comes from Cornelius Alapide. Here he says that they may all be one by one faith, hope, charity, and concord. Learn hence how united Christians should be amongst themselves, and how far removed are they who disseminate discord and strife from the mind of Christ. Now, I want to focus on this for just one moment to think about the fact that we fight among ourselves as Christians so much, so much about nothing. And it is absolutely maddening to me. And I bring this up because this is a, a talking point that I bring up constantly that we are to be one. We are to be one in faith, hope, charity, and concord. So this uh, goes especially for us Catholics. Yes, we want all Christians to be united, but we can only be united in the Catholic faith. And so all of us should be one in the church that Christ established. But then amongst us who are within the mystical body of Christ, that are part of the one true church of God, we still fight amongst ourselves constantly, constantly. And let's stop. Let's hold to the truths of the faith and have charity to one another. Now, Cornelius Lapide continuing, he says, here the author, who it's assigned to St. Augustine, but he's like, it's probably Paulinus of Aquilia. And he's like, yeah, but we're going to just say St. Augustine for here. If we are pleased as possessing anything in this world, it is good for us to keep in our minds God who created and is the possessor of all things and to have in him all that we wholly and happily desire. But since no one possesses God, save he that is possessed by him, let us become the possession of God, and he will become our possession. For what greater happiness can there be in the world than to have our Lord 
and our Redeemer counted as our own, and whose inheritance the Godhead deigns to be. For we enjoy every blessing from him, and if we live from him and in him, for what I ask you suffices a man. If the Creator himself does not suffice him, what does he seek further? Whose Redeemer ought to be his sole joy in everything to him? By love, therefore, we are so united to God as to be made one spirit, that so all earthly desires in us may be swallowed up, and our whole mind may be so raised up by its affections to God as to be, in a way, deified. Just as a drop of water poured into generous wine is absorbed in it, and as iron when heated passes into heat, though through the nature of the iron still remains, and as the air illumined by the sun turns into light, so that it seems to be nothing else but the light of the sun. Now, this is a very important thing to meditate upon. Why? Because God desires us to be happy. And every single person wants to be happy. They want to be happy so much. Yet, they seek after this happiness in worldly things. They seek after happiness in houses and cars and money and traveling and the worldly flesh. They desire love. They desire happiness in the things that will never give them love, that will never give them happiness. They put the second things first and they put primary things second. And that always leads to unhappiness. It always leads to sadness. It is only in the creator that will suffice you. Even here on this earth, the sole joy of man can only be in our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything else will leave us wanting. Now, there's so much more that could be said from this passage that we won't have time to get into. In fact, I was going through it, and it's actually a 30-minute meditation from Cornelius Lapide uh, for today. They have to shrink it down to just a couple things. The last point I want to bring up here is here he says, Holy souls strive after perfect union with Christ, forgetting, as it were, everything besides to keep him ever before their eyes, to strive in all things to please him, continually to hold mental converse with him, and accordingly they withdraw themselves as far as they can from external objects and have colloquy with Christ in their hearts. Bartholomew de Martibus, Archbishop of Raga, in his Golden Compendium of Spiritual Doctrine, which Louise of Granada published after his death, professes that by reading it, he profited greatly. So also I say to myself, give three tokens of such inward union. Now, this is something that we should be meditating upon on our daily lives. Now, coming up in the next segment, we're going to have Catholic Vote joining us. And when Catholic Vote joins us, we're going to be talking about the issues in regards to the Target situation, where Target is, in fact, promoting a transgender ideology in our on our systems okay, here. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when people set out to destroy the church? They don't destroy the church, but they manage to wreck everything else. G.K. Chesterton says men who begin to fight the church for the sake of freedom and humanity 
end up flinging away freedom and humanity if only they may fight the church. The secularists have not managed to destroy divine things, but they have destroyed secular things. Thanks to the war against the church, the world is a mess. We have more disorder, more distress, more discontent than ever before. And that's why we must defend the faith. By defending God's truth, we are defending all truth. By defending the church, we are saving the world. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, there are always a ton of stories that are very concerning. And this story in particular, there is an aspect of it that is actually good news. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to talk about this because it is bad news. But the response has actually given me a little bit of encouragement. So joining us right now is Joshua Mercer with Catholic Vote. He's on to talk to us about the situation with Target. And we've also covered the situation with the L.A. Dodgers a number of times, and we probably will. We might touch on that a little bit today as well. But I want to focus in on the Target. But good morning to you, Mr. Mercer. Good to be with you. Ah, Praise be to God. It's good to have you on. Now, this situation with Target, I think, is really, really concerning. Could you lay out for us uh, what exactly is going on? Yeah, I mean, actually, it's there's so many things going on with Target. Two major problems, though, like what they're doing right now. They, you know, they Target has always been a very left wing uh, corporation. Uh, people remember a few years ago they did all this thing where they allow anyone to be in any bathroom. That was a few years ago. There was an attempt at a boycott then. It didn't really pan out too much, unfortunately. So they just keep going. That's what happens if you don't push back. Uh, hard enough. I know some loyal listeners did, but not enough people. Okay. So I'm not trying to criticize those who did. That was good. But now they've, their new pride line for that's targeting children is, I mean, obviously we think it's just abhorrent that you're targeting this kind of uh, subculture, radical sexual subculture to children, but they're doing something that's, I'm trying to be as, as, as polite as I can for the audience, but it's, they, they're calling it tuck friendly, which is to say, if a boy wants to pretend like he's a girl, this is stuff that will help that person dress like as if he's a girl. Um, I'm trying to be as delicate as I can. No, I, I understand. understand exactly. I understand. Uh, Mr. I, Mercer, I think your audience understands what I'm getting at. It's here very concerning because I, I talk about this uh, fairly frequently that the left will go so far and so do things that are so disgustingly uh, awful that we can't even talk about it in polite society. And so it's just so difficult to talk about because you're like, oh, it's, I can't really describe well, to you, what, tell you how what. bad it is. I mean, I understand. And that's why, you know, when we send out emails, even we're like, we don't want to talk about everything right here. It's kind of gross. However, we feel like if you want to know everything about it, you can go to this website, catholicvote.org, and you can see all the details there. If you know, let me just tell you, you can take my word for it that how disgusting all this stuff is, but you don't have to. You can go to CatholicVote.org. You can see the story we have on Target. And the thing about Target, too, is that um, with, you know, not only do, are they doing this stuff where they're targeting trans clothing to children, which is just ridiculous. We should not have children mutilate their bodies. 
That's just absolutely insane. And thankfully, many states are starting to per, uh, ban that kind of activity, the harming of our children in this way. But that's just one of the major massive problems with Target right now. The other one is they hired a Satanist from England to help them with their clothing line. I mean, I'm not even kidding here. Like, they, you go to this guy's website, and he's got, like, stickers. It says, like, Satan loves your pronouns, respects your pronouns. And in fact, one of them, one of them shows a skeleton and says, welcome to the gay cult with yep. the rainbow flag behind well, it. And they, they you look at that you, and you're like, you should just believe them. You should just believe them. I mean, them it's like, you. if a conservative did that, someone on the left would say like, how dare you accuse us of being a cult? But it is. It yeah, really is a cult. I, know, really I want to is. read to people what exactly they're saying here. It says here. They're on their website, the designer class on their website, Satan respects pronouns is a fun way to show your pride. He goes on and says, a lot of LGBT people have found that Christianity hasn't always been the most welcoming to them and find solace and humor in the idea that Satan would. Satan loves you and respects who you are. LGBT people are so often referred to as being a product of Satan or going against God's will. So fine, we'll hang with Satan instead. Naturally, Satan respects your pronouns, adding that they uh, that they went with a variation of Baphomet, who we rebuke in Jesus' name, for this design, a deity who themselves is a mixture of genders, beings, ideas, and existence. They reject binary stereotypes and expectations. Perfect. And I think I'm like, okay, well, there you go, folks. They are trying to tell you they worship Satan, that LGBT ideology is in league with Satan. Maybe we should believe them. What do you say you, Mr. Mercer? I tell you what, too. Here's the thing I would like to say. You know, we need the moms. We really need the moms to step up to the plate here. I got to say this, okay? Now, I am a. I like to enjoy a few beers, okay? You know, I think I'm like a lot of men in our audience here, you know? And the men stepped up to the plate on the Bud Light controversy. We said, no way. This is a grown man. He's pretending like he's a little girl. We're not going to buy this Bud Light stuff anymore. And that's, I mean, I have other choices. I can choose a Miller Light, which they're even kind of going crazy, or Coors Light or something else. There's a lot of beers. I don't have to choose this. I don't have to endorse what they're trying to do. And so a lot of men stepped up to the plate, and the sales for Bud Light have tanking. And that's good because corporations realize this is toxic to get involved with this kind of stuff to support a transgender man who pretends he's a girl, a young girl. Well, now we need the moms. We need the moms to step up and say, I'm not going to go with Target with this crazy, tuck-friendly trans clothing for kids, which they say, mutilate your bodies, and we'll have the clothing right, you know, ready to go for you. No way. We need the moms to say no to Target. I'm not saying that Walmart and every other company is perfect, you know, and they have a 100% score. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. However, we got to say this is a line too far, and we got to say we're going to not use our purchasing power here. And the fact is, we can make a difference. And the Amen. Bud Light thing showed that we can make a difference. And so we need to use our money wisely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's very important because well, as you're saying this, this is, this is incredibly important because, like you mentioned, we tried to boycott Target back when they allowed the uh, transgender bathrooms, and it did not really work. I know my my own mother; she we boycotted Target, and we just haven't gone back since. And my and I don't know what it is about Target, but women really like Target for some reason. And but really, it needs to Target, happen. right? It Target. makes you feel like you're yeah, you're a big guy. Like, this but is cool. It's you know? very important. I get it that's because the, that's what this is something that is a big it. deal. It's a big deal. Like if people are trying to come out and say, and I get it, I get it. They're saying. 
Everything is woke. We can't boycott everything. And I understand that. But I'm saying that this is so beyond the pale. Someone has to be made an example of. And Target has to be the target here because they are coming out full force. However, Mr. Mercer, they came out and they said, oh, we're moving our stuff to the back. And it's okay, guys. Nothing to see here. Let's move on. So some people are trying to claim victory. Of what say you, Mr. Mercer? That's when you turn up the heat, you know, honestly. I mean, the thing is, a Target is, is so important. We didn't even get into the fact that what they do in terms of HR policy, which is to, you know, they provide their workers the opportunity to go to other states to get abortions if they're like in Texas where they respect life. So, I mean, Target is just absolutely bad from head to toe. But on this, this, I mean, they are out there promoting this stuff. They put it in the back of the store. Like, no, not, not cool. The thing is, these companies have, have long held like, well... Let's just ride the wave of the news cycle out for a few weeks and see if it passes over. And then we can kind of, you know, ignore it and people get distracted and they'll get on with their lives and they'll forget about it. And that's what Bud Light has been counting on. Like they're like thinking, man, any week now, these people are going to just shut up and drink a beer again. But we got to stay strong. And the fact is, they are freaking out. I mean, they took their one ad executive, Bud Light did, and sent her to Siberia. I mean, and I'm joking, but. You know, it's just been horrible for them. And so we need to increase the pain there because that's the only way that they're going to learn on this. You can't support that stuff anymore. So right. say no to Target. And yeah, the, the victory, what does victory look like? It looks like them completely rejecting this ideology. That's the only way that we have victory. The left does not take small victories and neither can we just by moving it to the side is not victory. And we know this because what does California Governor Gavin Newsom say? They come, he comes out and says that the, they are, uh, they are offensive to the LGBT community. He comes out and he says, he tweets out CEO of Target Brian Cornell selling out the LGBTQ community to extremists is a real profile in courage. This is very important. He called us an attack on the gay community happening across the country. This is very, very important because that's what they see as victory. They say, you're either all in with us or you're all out, and that's it. And we have to be the same way. We cannot cave just because we get a tiny victory. Do you agree, Mr. Mercer? Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, just the fact that they put it in the back of the store or they remove it from some of the stores in more conservative cities in the South, that's not victory. We have to say, stop marketing clothing, which, you know, would be for children that are, have their genitals mutilated. Pardon my French, but like that, that's not okay. Like we have to say no, like no children under eight. I mean, if someone's over 18 and they want to, you know, change their gender and go through surgery and mutilate themselves, I think that would still be, should be against the law. But if I guess in this country, if you're over 18, you want to do it, whatever i think it's very foolish and dumb and the reason i think it's dumb is because when you do that you know to you mutilate your body then i think you run the risk that you're gonna you're gonna exasperate the the mental problem that you've had where you don't feel like mm -hmm. you're in the right body and that's not the cure that they need we need to stop and say target you're not helping children because it this embrace of 
of ch- gender surgeries on, on children is only going to make more suicides happen. Amen. And the left says, no, 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 it, ha- it only happens this way because we don't embrace them enough and let them agree with whatever they want. Like, that's not the answer. Absolutely. And the, the CEO, just if anybody is still curious on whether or not this is something that we should be boycotting, the CEO, Brian Cornell, came out afterwards and said, I think those are just good business decisions, and it's the right thing for society, and it's a great thing for our brand. The things we've done for diversity, equity, and inclusion standpoint, it's adding value. It's helping us drive sales. It's building greater engagement with both our teams and our guests. And those are just the right things for our business today. When we think about the purpose at Target, it's really about helping all the families. And that all word is really important. Uh, this is very, very important that they he thinks this is what's good for his business. So I say we take him at his word. All right, he thinks that that's good for his business. Well, then we will not give him his business. We won't give him our business if we if he's going to keep promoting these ideologies. And so he has to come out and do a complete 180 and just reject this ideology entirely and wholly. It has to be completely condemned. Uh, Mr. Mercer, where can people find out more information about this and where can people get connected with the Catholic vote? Well, yeah, go to catholicvote.org. You can sign up for a daily email called The Loop. Uh, over 430,000 people get it every day. Great way to keep informed on what's going on in the news. If you go to catholicvote.org, we have a story about Target and also Bud Light and the Dodgers, all this kind of stuff. This is a, a great, you know, in a true sense, a real reawakening, not the, quote, woke stuff, a reawakening of Christians realizing, you know what, I need, I can be really smart with my economic decisions and make sure I'm not supporting corporations that are attacking uh, our values as, as Christians. So I think it's really important work, and we'd love to have people uh, sign up and help out. Absolutely, absolutely. So go check out Catholic Vote. It's a excellent place. I check it every morning to, uh, to look at news. So catholicvote.org, and tune into The Loop. It's a very edifying. So I personally listen to it. I enjoy it. I read it. And they did a great job with the L.A. Dodgers. We talked about that a number of times already. Um, we probably will cover it more. But, Mr. Mercer, God bless you. God love you. And we'll definitely have you back on soon. All right. Thank you so much. And that's going to do it for this segment. When we come back, the topic of trauma. How can, how can we as Catholics overcome it? All right, this and more. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Could there be just one word that truly sets the Catholic Church apart from all other churches? Yes, there is. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. That word is retain. How can one word bring such distinction? Well, understanding that retain means to hold back or to keep. Jesus tells the apostles, if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Secondly, so what does that world say about sin? The therapist says, forgive yourself. New Agers say it's just a state of mind. And the evangelical says, just tell Jesus no matter how grave the sin, he'll forgive you directly. And finally, the word retain. We all know that non-Catholics don't go to a pastor to confess grave sins. Why? Because in Protestant thinking, you get to leapfrog humans and go directly to Jesus. And guys, let's don't hide under the newest term, be accountable. Hey, we all will be accountable up to the point that it hurts, is embarrassing, or is criminal. My priest can say, Steve, your sin's not forgiven. Does your pastor? I think not. Why? Have you ever heard backlash, decreasing church attendance, and loss of revenue? I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw on somebody's car one time, and it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, I don't have to worry about inappropriate items. 
It's just the opposite. It's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know. And now in these past couple of years that I've been listening in, I've learned so much. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Thursday, May 25th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. And these are your headlines for this morning. Catholic News Agency is reporting Nebraska will now ban abortion 12 weeks into pregnancy and ban gender-altering surgery for minors. A new bill signed into law on Monday also regulates other drugs used in purported gender transition therapies for minors. The abortion ban takes effect immediately. In April, the state Senate failed to pass a six-week abortion ban by only one vote. The new law also bans purported gender-affirming surgery for patients under age 19, the age of legal majority in Nebraska. Proponents present the surgeries, also known as sex change operations, as gender confirmation surgery. OSV News is reporting one of the leading figures in the Catholic Church's effort to protect children from sexual abuse, Cardinal Sean P. O'Malley of Boston is named in a new lawsuit claiming he failed to properly supervise at the time a vice principal who abused three teens at a Catholic high school. The Boston Archbishop, along with five other archdiocesan officials, is a defendant in the lawsuit filed May 5th in Suffolk Superior Court by Attorney Mitchell Garabedian on behalf of the three former students. Catholic News Agency is reporting Pope Francis has accepted the resignation of Philadelphia's Bishop Michael Fitzgerald one day after the auxiliary bishop's 75th birthday. With degrees in both civil and canon law, Fitzgerald served as the judicial vicar and the founding director of the Archdiocesan Office for Legal Services. Over the past decade, he has worked to promote and maintain safe environments for children and youth in the archdiocese. Fitzgerald grew up in Philly as one of nine children and attended the city's Catholic schools. After fulfilling his appointments as defender of the bond and procedural judge, Fitzgerald received a doctorate in canon law from Gregorian University in Rome. And finally, Church Pop is reporting brave Catholics remove heckler preaching against Blessed Virgin Mary in church. TikTok personality Ryan Foley, a Protestant Christian who travels the U.S. preaching, recently published a video proclaiming his objection to the rosary and honoring the Blessed Virgin Mary. The video, which generated almost 150,000 views on TikTok alone, shows brave Catholic men removing him from the church for preaching against the rosary. This incident occurred at the Annunciation Church here in Houston, Texas. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. You know, speaking of that t- that uh, TikTok guy, he that Protestant dude, he was um, also he visited my my old parish, St. Luke the Evangelist. I was actually the youth minister there for a year, and he did the same thing there on Divine Mercy Night. He went out there, and, and they the just it's mostly a bunch of old ladies who oh. go to that. And he came up and he went up to the podium, and he started just doing uh, his little street preaching from the podium until an old lady went and moved the mic out of the way and i'm like this is this guy and i'm like i don't know i don't know i'm thinking about i'm like what what if we just like held a rosary rally outside of his church um because of uh his anti-catholic bigotry it's really really it's a cheap stunt to to get uh cheap clicks on his tiktok uh channel that that is cheap really cheap even for for uh 
so, social media professionals. That that is just it's not a it's not uh, it's uh, uh, brave or anything. Yeah, yeah. It's gross. Uh, but. Uh, on a different topic, joining us right now is Dr. Tim Murphy. He is a licensed psychologist specializing in resilience and recovery from psychological trauma. He is also an author of three books, most recently The Christ Cure. Dr. Murphy consults on mental health and public policy with national organizations and speaks extensively throughout the U.S. He served in the Pennsylvania State Senate for six years and was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives eight times. He championed landmark mental health reforms while in Congress. Uh, thank you for joining us, Dr. Murphy. Good morning. Great to be with you. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's very interesting to me. I saw this come across my in my email box, and I was thinking about this as a very interesting topic because we kind of hear this language of trauma all the time, and I always am like, is re- is everyone really traumatized? I mean, obviously, if someone has PTSD from going to war, well, obviously, I, I think that that's an awful situation, and I believe that someone's suffering from that. But it seems like we've over-broadened the term trauma to just mean anyone who's dealt with some difficulty in their lives. So can we start there? Let's figure out what do we mean when we say trauma? That's a great question. So trauma really technically is a life-threatening, life or limb-threatening event to yourself or to a close person or your witness to it. It is not seeing a scary movie. It's not having a bad day. It's not having a bad week. Uh, and it has been overused for people who are feeling that uh, something's been wronged to them or they've been hurt uh, in some slight, emotional slight. Now, trauma really has a very complex, impactful um impact on the brain, such as the uh, when we initially face a trauma, we, we really have almost a, we have a flashbulb memory of it. We remember the sight, sound, smells, taste, and touch of it. Uh, we can also sometimes have chronic stress uh, from a long uh, life of uh, a lot of difficulties, a person living in extreme poverty, abuse, or and those sorts of things. But you're right, it's been expanded to such things as, well, gee, the COVID experience was a uh, traumatic and for some, it was extremely stressful. And let's not uh, underestimate that. We had doubling the rates of depression and anxiety and huge increases in suicide from, from uh, the COVID lockdown. Uh, but we have to be careful we don't overuse the term. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing that I was thinking about is the fact that uh, the people today, and maybe this is wrong, maybe this is just my perception and uh, you can uh, shed some light on this. I kind of perceive that the people today are very, they have weak constitutions. They're not very, they're not very hardened. And could it be that people are in fact getting traumatized by very small, minor things? um, And it's just that they simply have very weak constitutions or is that just, just the wrong use of the terms? Well, when you think of uh, grandfathers and great-grandfathers and what they lived through, the Depression, World War II, uh, the the times before that, those are really struggling times, and people did have uh, better abilities. Now, it still takes a toll on the person, but when you hear about people who are saying, I'm triggered by everything, we have to give warnings for those things, what we need to do is increase our stamina for stress, not eliminate all stresses. Uh, in, In the book I wrote about dealing with trauma, what I track is the life of the Apostle Paul uh, and, and many other people from the Bible, as well as modern day folks who have lived through horrific situations. I mean, look at Paul. He was beaten with rods. He was whipped. He was stoned and left for dead. He was in a shipwreck, bitten by a poisonous snake, run out of town, robbed, th- uh, chained to a wall in a Roman prison. And yet here is a person who um, 
didn't have PTSD. In fact, the question I asked is, well, someone must have written a book about this, but nobody did. So mine really takes that as a way that we could follow the model he set and understand that trauma can give us a meaning and a purpose if we understand it in our own lives, not to run from it, because you can't undo what's been done. You cannot unset the sun, but we can learn from it and learn to be stronger and better and more spiritual in our connections because of our trauma. That, that, it sounds like an odd thing, but since we cannot uh, stop what has happened to us, we can only stop how we're handling it now and, and turn it into a richer and fuller life. You know, it's interesting because uh, toward the end of your book, you talk about mindfulness and we were just uh, talking with somebody about Alzheimer's and how praying the rosary has seen there's been benefits with Alzheimer's in terms of being that the repetition, that being able to have the same kind of words, meditating upon those things over and over again uh, with the words and the meditation combined together has seen uh, benefits for people with Alzheimer's. And I wonder what your thoughts would be with something like that in regards to the trauma. Well, uh, it's interesting you say the rosary because the rosary does have a meditative effect when a person prays it. Some who do not understand things, a person is just rambling on with words, and that's not what it is at all. It really is a very deep connection with religion and with God. Uh, it's not worshiping the Virgin Mary. It is venerating her life and all that she has done. It's interesting that people with a dementia and Alzheimer's, whether they're, uh, they hear a familiar song or something else familiar, it re-alerts those parts of the brain of long-term memory for them. And so there can be a soothing effect, particularly because when one is developing dementia, uh, that life is scary for them. There's a lot of things that are unfamiliar. They don't understand. They can't put pieces together. So to have the familiar uh, uh, faces, family, and routines is, is helpful for them. And what about in regards to the people with trauma that you mentioned how this is uh, sometimes necessary to kind of to meditate on the here and now and to fight against this? Uh, do you think there is an element to to praying the rosary that would also uh, be beneficial in, in that sense? Well, uh, let me expand that a little bit because this is important. When we have been uh, undergoing trauma and we may have symptoms of post-traumatic stress with flashbacks and we avoid situations and relationships fall apart uh, and people have anxiety and panic attacks and depression and, and sleepless nights, uh, they, their, their stress hormones continue to build up in their system. Uh, it's, it's pretty, it's extremely rough for them. And they see a physical deterioration that takes place. <clears throat> so there's four levels of this that I recommend in my book. One is you got to take time to relax. It's time when you're away from work. Uh, it's, it's not hanging out all night in the bar. <clears throat> it really is time to relax and calm and do things with family and friends. The second thing is mindfulness. <clears throat> Excuse me. And mindfulness is a full awareness of where you are right now, not the past, not the future, but say where I am right now. And that could be, you know, taking a walk through the woods, sitting on a park bench, anything, but being aware of the sights, sounds, smells, taste, touches of now, not letting the past and the future interfere. The third level of that is meditation. And meditation is where you go systematically and calm your body because the body wants to remain in this hyper alert state, breathing exercises, muscle relaxation, and then meditate on specific words or phrases. And this is a place where rosary and prayer have a very valuable uh, impact upon us. We know that people who experience trauma, those who have a strong religious faith do much better. And, and we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we'll pick up right there where we left off. So much more coming up on Catholic Drive Time. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. I would imagine your pastor preaches from the text which says, We preach Jesus Christ crucified. So then, where's the crucifix in your church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Under the dread of persecution and death, the crucifix was displayed at Mass, but with great caution due to the threats of the Roman emperors and the pagan haters of Christianity. Traveling up through time, Pope Pius V in 1570 made it mandatory to display a crucifix in every church. Secondly, the Bible. 1 Corinthians 1 says, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block. You see, there was never any embarrassment of his corpse. In fact, two men of great renown, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, boldly handled the dead body of Jesus. And thirdly, my comeback. You see, at times, the early church held mass in the catacombs to honor the shed blood of the brave martyrs. Sad to say, many contemporary churches don't even have a cross in their church, let alone a crucifix. Also, could a crucifix on your neck cause others to think you are Catholic? St. Peter, it must have been horrible when you heard that rooster crow. Donnie, what are the four Gospels in the New Testament? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And who baptized Jesus? St. John the Baptist. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Drive time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It's always good to be here on Catholic Radio. It's 45 past the hour. And joining us right now is Dr. Murphy. He's the author of the book, Christ's Cure. We're talking about trauma and how to overcome it. It is very interesting to me. And I think, you know, most, most people probably never experience trauma in a very extreme way. But everyone deals with difficulties. Everyone deals with situations where they have maybe not clinical depression, but bouts of sadness and things like that. And so, Mr. Murphy, Dr. Murphy, how how can we take the advice that you're giving for people that have PTSD and people who have these very serious and life-threatening versions of trauma and apply it to people who have lesser uh, situations in that same uh, vein? Great question. Well, we know about 70% of people will face some trauma sometime in their life. About 20% will have some prolonged symptoms, and about 10% have some PTSD out of those groups. And there's also those who have depression and anxiety in their life, difficulties they've had in their life. And look, the the fact is, we're all going to suffer from some level, everybody. And anybody who doesn't think that's happening to them is is just waiting, something will happen. Uh, And that's where God is with us. The important thing is that we understand that these are these are real issues. They're not someone who's soft. They're not someone who's squishy. It's going to happen to us. But the idea is we should not despair. Uh, when a person does not have faith in their life, uh, and I'm talking to some of my clients, I said, well, then where do you go? Where do you go for hope? Uh, if you say you're an atheist or agnostic, where what is over the horizon for you? Uh, I always ask my, the people I work with, do you have a religion? Do you have a faith? And can we include it in our discussions? Many psychologists will not do that, even though we know it helps them. So uh, the issue is uh, with depression is to read and, and understand the things that the Lord told us and that is written time and time again in the Bible. Uh, the sufferings that Job had, the doubts that he had, look, even the troubles that Peter had. 
uh, and Matthew and, uh, and Paul, it goes on and on. We learn from what other people have been through in life. And instead of dwelling on ourselves, <clears throat> which we do, I mean, I've dealt with my own depression times too, and you can really get caught up and mired in that. The idea is look forward, look outside of ourselves, and with the four things of faith in God, that we know God exists, trust in God, that God has a plan, work that's out for us, and grace from God to accept and understand his love is there, and we're never alone. We always have that. Amen, amen. You know, uh, one of my favorite saints is St. Thomas Aquinas. I just love St. Thomas so much. And his Summa Theologiae, his uh, summary of theology in the Prima Secundae, question 38, he deals with the question, how to overcome sadness? And it, it's very interesting to me because he kind of comes up with these ideas that you're like, wow, this sounds like something I could have read out of a, a self-help journal almost. And he says the first remedy is giving ourselves something that we like, something that is uh, pleasurable, but is good. So don't do something that's bad, that's pleasurable, something that is good, that's pleasurable. Read a good book, maybe have a piece of chocolate. Obviously, he doesn't give the example of chocolate, but I am giving an example of chocolate. He gives a second answer of saying weeping. So you cry, it's okay to cry. And it is a something that can be cathartic for you. His third thing is to have your share your sorrow with a friend. And, you know, our Lord tells us to be, not be unequally yoked. So having a friend to walk through is very beneficial. Fourthly, he says, contemplate on the truth. If you think about higher things, and you were just talking about setting our horizons on something beyond ourselves. And fifthly, he says, go take a bath. <laughs> and I thought that was really awesome. He was like, yeah, go take a bath and take a nap and you will feel better. And I think those are excellent that he gives these five things. What say you, Dr. Murphy? Is this good oh. advice from a... 13th century monk? You know, we, 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 you say that about the bath, I think it's kind of funny, but there's actually something very normalizing about it. When we are very upset, do something common, you know, uh, and take a drink of water, a splash of water on your face, have a very important impact on calming the nervous system down. Talking to a friend is valuable because when we have traumatic thoughts in our head, they bounce around and bounce around. When we put something into words, we begin to control it. We begin to make sense out of it. Uh, those are all parts. The other part about sometimes giving something up, just I remember when the nuns would say, you know, offer it up or do these things, offer it up. That has a great value because one of the principles I talk in my book, about my book is what Paul taught us about the value of self-discipline. When he talked about the people, uh, he saw them training for contests because um, there's only the prize goes to one. Self-discipline is very important. When we have a life that's soft and self-discipline, when we're not valuing strength, when we're not uh, holding up hope, uh, to, to a high level, we struggle more and more. And rather than see the difficulties we have in life as things that, well, I don't think I can overcome them, look to those who have overcome worse. That doesn't belittle what we have, but look to those who have overcome worse as sources of inspiration. And that self-discipline is saying, I can do this. God has given me the strength. Uh, I'm, I'm not being put through a test to break me. I'm, being give, I'm given a gift of something that can strengthen me. Uh, those are ways that we need to be thinking about the troubles we have in life and not focus on being broken down. So Aquinas gives some good advice. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting to me because you say, you, you mentioned that, and I immediately I'm thinking of the stories of the martyrs and the stories of the saints who have endured more suffering than most of us could even fathom. And like you said, I mean, you can have two responses to that. You could say, oh, I am, that's discouraging to me. Or you can take courage in it and say, look at that and say, look, if they can overcome it by the grace of God, so can I. 
And I think that's a very beautiful thing to think about because I, I personally, I think about that all the time whenever I'm in situations. I'm like, well, you know, if, if Fulton Sheen could do X, then I could do X. If so-and-so could do Y, then I can do Y. And it's kind of a, if someone could do something greater, then I could do something lesser. And what say you, is this, is this, is there a danger that someone might, might fall into this? Like, oh, well, God bless them more than he blessed me. Or is this something that should be encouraging to us? Uh, great point. And that is what many of us do when we struggle with despair, that people begin to doubt and say, well, God doesn't love me, or I am so guilty, I can never be forgiven for this. And people then people say, because they can't deal with that, they may even deny God's existence or put it out of their mind. The idea is God's already forgiven us. And these are not done to, to hurt us or punish us. God, God doesn't come down and do that. People uh, will turn away and, and suffer consequences from this. I see these all as ways of bringing us back. So sometimes the Lord says to us, hey, you got this. You're an automatic pilot. Go, go take care of this. I gave you free will. And sometimes if we're lucky, we have a friend or someone that gives us that whisper in the ear and says, you know, it's time to redirect. And sometimes we get that two by four upside the head that says, you better change. Come on back to the fold. We want you here. Uh, you know, Jesus would leave the 99 sheep and go find the one that's lost. And I, and I think if we look upon these things as opportunities to reconnect instead of opportunities to turn away, it's part of it. But forgiveness is an operative word here, very key word. And the six words I use to describe this is God forgives, others might, I must. Mm. But God says, you got to forgive yourself. You got to go to the other people. You need to ask for forgiveness from them too. If we hold out in life that everybody we've ever wronged is going to forgive us, it's just not going to happen because they've got their own issues too. But working through through the Lord and with us in all this is the idea of Lord's forgiveness is there, whatever we've done, um, and to come back and to reconcile and to work on those things and ask for forgiveness are important parts of our own healing. Now, I should say that doesn't erase the trauma memories. We may still have those. They're just so difficult, uh, but we can heal from that though. Amen. Amen. You know, immediately I'm thinking of the Our Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And if we are to forgive others, then uh, our Lord had told us to love our neighbor as ourselves. So therefore, that means we should be forgiving ourselves, we should forgive others, and we should uh, accept the forgiveness of God. Now, I, you mentioned a second ago, and I kind of skipped past it, but I want to go back to it, is the topic of exercise, of of discipline, self-discipline, and it's in multiple ways. There's the exercise element of it. I know uh, for, uh, the St. Paul talks about shadow boxing. He's like, he exercises as to not shadow box, but to actually compete. And it's very interesting to me that this is analogy of, of discipline, but specifically of physical exercise and even combat sports is something that is uh, mentioned in, in scripture. Uh, what do you think about that, Dr. Murphy? Yeah, he had a front row seat in, in Corinth to watch the Isthmian Games and to watch people prepare for wrestling and racing and all those things there. And he recognized how that was part of well, the body being the temple of the Lord. But what's important for us is to understand physically and psychologically what's, what's there for us is how we have, um, by having exercise, that actually helps awaken the brain. It helps to uh, help us function. Uh, when we've been traumatized, many times people want to sit around or, or, or lay in a fetal position in bed and not get out. The longer that goes on, the worse it gets for us. What we really need to be doing is getting up and moving. And no matter how much you're struggling, get outside, go for a walk, go on the track, and get to the point where you can do even more vigorous exercises. Because the more that happens, the more the body is alerted. I mean, we are given this creation of the body not to lay around, but to move and to strengthen. And when we're depressed, we don't want to do that. It's the very opposite. So if the devil were to say, hmm, how can I break you? and make you more succumbing to temptation, we'll just make you more lethargic. 
We'll have you sit around and lay around. And the way to fight against it is to get up and move. Uh, it has an incredible impact upon our health and our mental health. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's interesting because you, you say that, and you also have a chapter in here about sleeping. And I think that was also interesting because you, you make it very clear that you should like, plan your sleep. You should sleep for an X amount of time and then get that sleep. Um, because like you said, there could be the defect of laying in bed all day long and never getting out of bed. But I think another defect can happen in that you you turn your health into your God. And this happens a lot of times with people when they're going through difficulties, they just dive into exercise and they start to having this be the goal that they fight for. Uh, what say you, Dr. Murphy? Well, there's, you know, there's a, um, I remember the source of this verse, it says, how do you expect to compete against horses if you cannot run? Uh, how do you expect to compete against chariots if you cannot run? Uh, and we sleep as part of this too. I mean, when Jesus was out with his disciples, sometimes he said, hey, everybody take a rest. Just go chill out for a while. Uh, this was important. We have to do those things. When we push ourselves and strain ourselves, either we're staying up late or, 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 or doing lots of things to lose sleep or don't get out of bed, all those can be harmful. Our system was designed to have about seven to nine hours of sleep a night. Uh, the more we exercise, the more we put these things together, we can start to feel healthy. And I, I remind people that if they're if they're not getting enough sleep or if they're getting too much sleep and not exercising and not eating right, those are physical changes in their body. Don't begin to think upon that as, oh, my, look, I'm worse. I can't get better. Go back to the original plan. God designed us to use these things and eat healthy. Uh, I should say on the, on the eating healthy, too, people come up with all these tremendous diets. Now, eat this. You'll feel better, better for your brain. Well, you know what? That's what Paul ate, the Mediterranean diet. That's what Jesus ate. That's what his apostles ate. They weren't eating a bunch of junk foods and, and, and drinking whiskey all night. It was a matter of having uh, of eating healthy, taking care of yourself all as part of this. And all, the, all those are ways of honoring God. Amen. Amen. And fortunately, that's going to be about the amount of time we have for you today. Uh, tell us where we, people get the book and what, where people can connect with you. Well, a couple of things. One, I have a website, drtimmurphy.com. That's dr. T-I-M-M-U-R-P-H-Y.com. There we have podcasts and blogs about faith and psychology together. Uh, my book, The Christ Cure, 10 Biblical Ways to Heal from Trauma, Tragedy, and PTSD, is available in mine, most bookstores. Uh, and um, order it there. Go to my website, whatever. And I appreciate that because I use some of the funds to help with the programs I do with veterans and first responders who are living with trauma. Amen, amen. Thank you very much, Dr. Murphy. Uh, the book's title, Christ Cure. You're going to want to check it out. It's a wonderful book, Dr. Murphy. We'll definitely need to have you back on to talk more. But God bless you. God love you. And that's going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. Stay with us. Bishop Sheen today with Alan Smith coming up next. Ever feel like life's just too much? Maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace today, begin at catholicscomehome.com. I used to wonder if God really cared about me. Then I started praying and going to church. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more, check out catholicscomehome.com. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever thought, well, why can't a prayer at a Catholic Mass cause the Holy Spirit to come upon the bread and wine and thus turn it into the actual body and blood of Jesus? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, remember, three of the most magnificent miracles were a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone or something such as the Holy Spirit came upon the face of the deep and God created the world. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she brought forth Jesus in her womb. Secondly, a boatload of scriptural support, such as 1 Corinthians 10, 16, which says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And thirdly, my honest reflection. Your transformation after a prayer for conversion was not and is not noticeable in the human eye. So then why do you reject a prayer which transforms bread and wine into Jesus' body and blood? I know the reason. Just a whole bunch of people have told you that. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologist. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. I'm Riley Ludlow from St. Martha's in Kingwood. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. One thing I was thinking about was the fact that he was like, yeah, you should get definitely seven to nine hours of sleep. And I was like, I, mean, I get about uh, on average four hours of sleep. I'm usually asleep around 10 o'clock. And then I'm usually up around 2.30, so like four and a half hours, four and a half hours of sleep. I'm lucky five. And I'm like, man, I am way behind on that sleep, that whole sleep thing. Got to work on that. And so uh, there's a number of things. That book was actually really interesting to me. I, we're, I'm going to invite him back on. There's so much more to talk about in regards to things they cover. We kind of just did a giant overview shotgun style. We just hit a little bit of everything. Uh, but speaking of a hitting a little bit of everything. Uh, Mr. Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today is on to join us to talking about the virtues with Bishop Sheen. It's a excellent book, The Seven Virtues. And we're talking to Alan Smith this morning. Good morning to you, Mr. Smith, the uh, gas man himself. Yes, uh, good. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I, I, I acknowledge those uh, you know, <laughs> just nicknames. I want to say, you know, I get called the Sheen Machine. I get called the Gas Man. Uh, I get called late for dinner. <laughs> <I get called. laughs> That's good. That's good. That's I, I, I get called lots of things, but you know, I, I do. Um, you know, for thirty years, I've been uh, a local plumber, and um, people know me as the Pipe Padre, and so uh, <laughs> it's a it's a nice handle. But you know, I have this great love of Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen's writings, and um, they're the beautiful what I call life lessons. And I I just say to people, you know, Archbishop Sheen 
changed my life in, in, in a good way, in that he gave me some spiritual practices. He gave me things to think about. He, he said, you know, I'm going to help you with your sin. I'm going to help you practice virtue. And, and that's what a good priest does. A priest shoulders up to us and says, I'm going to help you get to heaven. Um, yes, it's hard in this life. You'll be challenged, you'll be tempted, but I'm going to give you a program that you can follow that's doable. And uh, I tell you, I, I, I just want to share it with the world. And, um, you know, Archbishop Sheen's writings on the seven virtues are, are so important today because how many of us really say, I'm going to practice virtue. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to practice the virtue of temperance. I'm going to practice prudence. I'm going to practice fortitude. Like um, some of us can't even name the seven virtues, let alone practice them. So uh, we'll give a few uh, <laughs> ideas for our listeners today of how to practice the seven virtues. Absolutely. So let's start with fortitude then. I think it's an excellent place to start too, since we were just talking about overcoming trauma with Dr. Um, with Dr. Tim, and we were talking about the situation with, you know, sometimes we, we lack fortitude. So let's talk about this. What is the virtue of fortitude? Maybe people have heard the term, but do they actually know what it means? So what say you, Mr. Smith? Yeah. Well, fortitude, I think uh, people would say, well, give me an example, you know. And then I say, well, look at two things. You can look at soldiers. You know, soldiers have this great fortitude to endure, to overcome struggle. Uh, they're fighting for their country. They're fighting for an ideal. And it takes that intestinal fortitude, we like to say sometimes, um, you know, that gut strength. Um, and this is what our Lord did when he carried his cross to Calvary. Uh, you look to say, where are those examples? Yes, we look to the soldiers and their bravery. But we look to our blessed Lord as that beautiful example to say he picked up this heavy cross. He was beaten. He was battered. He was bruised. And yet he carried that cross to Calvary, uh, and many people witnessed his great sacrifice. And so we too can um, learn from our Lord. Uh, he knew he had a mission. God the Father said to him, I want you to come into this world and die for mankind. I want you to uh, be that sin offering. And he was obedient to the Father, and he completed his mission. And so I think it's that whole idea when we get weak and our resolve uh we just throw it out with you know the bath water we look to our lord to say no he picked up his cross uh, which was custom made for him and went and did the father's will uh, so we have to have that same um, resilience to practice that virtue of fortitude look to mm. the lord he is the example Amen. Amen. And you know, Fulton Sheen, he defines fortitude. I, I love how Sheen, he, he lays out all these poetics. He gives all these examples. Then he just like straight up. All right, here's the definition for you. Just that way you can make it nice and clear. He says, fortitude made to be defined as that virtue, which enables us to face undismayed and fearlessly the difficulties and dangers which stand in the way of duty and goodness it stands midway between foolhardiness, which rushes into danger heedlessly, and cowardice, which flees from it recreatently. Because fortitude is related to bravery, it must not be thought that bravery is devoid of fear. Rather, it is the control of fear. Fortitude is of two kinds, depending upon whether it is directed to a natural good 
or a supernatural good. And I think that's a great uh, little definition that we can keep in mind. It's about facing the odds, but for what? For goodness, for truth, for God. And it's very good. So let's move on to the second virtue here, uh, which is we'll go through um, what do you, which virtue do you want to cover next? No, let's, let's call it the virtue of hope. And um, I think uh, a lot of times, you know, we can mix and match the cardinal virtues with the theological virtues. But uh, I think this is one thing that um, I think we sometimes say to ourselves, what are the seven virtues? So maybe we can make that list after the program and put it on our fridge uh, to give us that reminder to say, okay, this week I'm going to try to practice these virtues. Um, and so there is that virtue of hope. And uh, Fulton Sheen points to the good thief on the cross. And he says, uh, he is the poster child of hope. And uh, again, we are all challenged. We face difficulties. Sometimes we feel that we're nailed to a cross. Yet the good thief had hope in the Lord. Um, he had that beautiful, I like to say, confession, uh, where he said to his fellow thief, you know, we deserve this crucifixion. Uh, we are dying for our sins, but our Lord is innocent. And he looked to the Lord and said, remember me. Remember me when you enter your kingdom. And I think this is what we have to set out every morning and say, my hope is in Jesus. My hope is in salvation. My hope is in the life um, to come in heaven. What does the catechism teach us? To We're born to know God, to love him, to serve him in this life, and to be happy with him in the next. So we have to practice that virtue of hope. And again, the good thief is that holy example to say, look at me, I have this miserable life, this challenging life, um, and yet I have this hope in Jesus. So uh, St. Dismas, we have to remember that his, he is a saint. St. Dismas is the example to help us practice the virtue of hope. Absolutely. And, and Fulton Sheen, he very much clearly points out, he says that, the, that there's two ways in which we can sin in regards to, in regards to hope. And that is we can sin in excess or we can sin in, def in a deficiency. In the first sin, you could have an over-exaggeration of divine justice, which is a sin of despair. Or you can have an over-exaggeration of the sin of, the, of divine mercy, and that would be the sin of presumption. He said, somewhere there is a golden mean where justice and mercy kiss, as the psalmist puts it, and that is the virtue of hope. So we don't want to be presumptuous, but we do not also we also do not want to have despair. And I think that's a, a great way to put that. And so the third virtue is prudence. And I think that is a very wonderful thing that's often misunderstood in our day. I think prudence is often used as an excuse to not be courageous. And so that cannot be what is meant when we say prudence. So what do we mean when we say prudence, Mr. Smith? Right. Well, I like to say it's that, um, you know, that word we hear all the time, choice. You know, I mean, it's the buzzword, it seems, in society today is choice. Um, so prudence really is making good choices. Um, you know, that's the whole idea of practicing that virtue. You know, they say that virtue is a muscle. You have to exercise the muscle. And uh, prudence is making those good choices. And what Fulton Sheen likes to point to is he says, you have some help in making good choices. Uh, you need to have that team concept. And who do you want on your team? The Blessed Virgin Mary. 
good mothers make good choices. And uh, if you are dialoguing with your good mother, uh, she will ask you, um, is that a good choice? Do you want to choose that? <laughs> do you want to uh, have that behavior uh, throughout the day? Or do you want to amend your behavior? Um, it's that idea of choice, but going to the mother uh, to provide you with that guidance and wisdom. Uh, our Lord said from the cross, woman, behold your son, behold your mother. Uh, he gave us his mother. I mean, in fact, our Lord was practicing prudence from the cross because he was saying, who should I leave you with? Uh, leave you with St. John? Leave you with Paul? Leave you with Peter? No, I'm going to leave you with my mother. Uh, she is going to help you in this journey. So, um, again, Our Lady is the, um, I want to say, the team player here to help us to be more prudent, to make good choices. And I think uh, we have to make that resolve every day to say, I want to make good choices. Dear Blessed Mother, please help me. Amen. Amen. I. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful thing, and it just reminds me of the the poem that Volnishin puts in his uh, The Seven Virtues. Uh, just the one line, he says, O mother of good counsel, lend intelligence to me, encompass me with wisdom, thou tower of ivory. A very beautiful idea because I know Our Lady is the mother of good counsel. She can counsel us with, if we want to be prudent, Go to Our Lady. And I believe Fulton Sheen also says in the same chapter here about our about going to Our Lady and thinking when before we do any act, would my Blessed Virgin Mother, would she approve or would she be disappointed in me? And I think that's a great little policy to have. I know it's good enough for me, for my earthly mother. It's even more uh, when I think about my heavenly mother. But let's go to the fourth virtue, faith, and it's probably going to be the last one. We'll probably have to pick up here uh, next week and try to finish the virtues. Uh, but the fourth virtue, faith, uh, what say you, Mr. Smith? Well, I think this is what, uh, you know, Fulton Sheen, he always proposes a question. And I think, you know, he begins the chapter with a great statement. Uh, he says, how many of us who profess no formal religion could tell what they disbelieve? The question is put that way because years ago, many who did not who did did not have faith knew what they disbelieved and why. Today, those who do not have faith do not even know what they disbelieve. Having a, a, a abandoned all certitudes, they have no standards by which to judge even their own agnosticism. And and I think we would ask this question: What do you believe in? Uh, what uh, could you? You know, in five minutes or less, explain your face, faith, let alone five seconds or less. So sometimes we don't know what we believe. And so this idea of uh, practicing the virtue of faith, yes, we have to have faith in God, faith in Jesus Christ. But we also have to have our faith. And this is why it's so important to practice and learn our holy Roman Catholic faith, um, so that we can make that profession of faith. Uh, we can witness to our uh, friends and neighbors, but to have faith. So have faith in God, have faith in uh, eternal life, but have faith in your faith <laughs> and, you know, trust in God. So uh, there's so much there. And I think Fulton Sheen wants to start the conversation. Uh, and then we just have to uh, continue in that conversation with our friends and family. Amen. Amen. I was just at lunch with a buddy of mine yesterday, and he was telling me how he was returning to the faith for the first time in a while. And he was sharing with me all these things where he's like, you know, I have difficulties with this, that, and the other. And I said, it's okay. 
It's okay to have faith seeking understanding. It's not okay to have faith and just reject the teachings of the church, but it's 100% okay to have faith seeking understanding. Bishop Sheen today, check it out. Bishop Sheen today with Alan Smith. Alan, uh, what's the name? It's the website, bishopsheentoday.com or? Huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, bishopsheentoday.com, uh, hundreds of free videos, audio recordings, a listing of all the books, including the book that we're talking about, The Seven Virtues. Uh, again, so much. Uh, Fulton Sheen wrote 66 books, so Amen. much to choose from. Bishopsheentoday.com. Uh, Thank you very much, Alan. And now we go into our game show, Fear and Trembling, 877-757-9424. Call now. We'll be right back. Listening to Catholic Radio and getting excited about learning about your Catholic faith can be, well, infectious. I converted uh, in my 20s to a Protestant, and uh, this is the first time I've heard Catholic Radio, and I've been listening to it for a couple hours driving. First time I've ever heard Catholics actually excited about what they believe. I'm going to tell you what, this has been uh, one of the greatest two hours that I've had in a while. And a special thank you to our donors for keeping Catholic Radio on the air. Thank you, and may God bless you. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Who are the ten most well-known preachers in America? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Here's the list. Copeland, Osteen, Benny Hinn, Joyce Myers, T.D. Jakes, Stephen Furtick, Andy Stanley, Robert Jeffers, Rick Warren, Alistair Begg, John MacArthur. Well, secondly, all these pastors say the same thing on Sunday morning, which is, turn with me in your Bible. Well, then how's the harmony regarding, say, eternal security, disagreement, present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit, Disagreement. Relationship of baptism to salvation. Disagreement. Church government. Disagreement. Life beginning at conception until natural death. Disagreement. And eschatology. Disagreement. So what's going on here? Well, if you are someone who says, all I need is the word of God, brother, because the Bible is going to give me everything I need to live out the Jesus life. Okay. Hope you've already ditched your favorite blogger, your favorite preacher, your favorite podcaster, and most of all, your religious Google searches. Well, speaking of Google searches, I do request one last Google search for you. Magisterium. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. You're crazy! Deep within, we struggle. Come on, babe. It'll be fun. Because sin separates us from God. She's got a relationship with George. Thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Seven five seven nine four two four eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. How do you play the game? What are we talking about here? What am I doing? What am I calling in for? Well, it's very simple. If you dial 877-757-9424, you're going to be calling into our Fear and Trembling Game Show where we have three Catholic trivia questions. And the trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, I'm going to ask 
Tito the questions, and he's going to give me an answer. It's your job to tell me whether or not he is correct or whether or not he is wrong. You'll have 15 seconds on the clock to give me an answer, and it's a 50-50 chance of you getting it right. Even if you just guess, you have a 50-50 chance of getting it right. So if you dial 877-757-9424, you can be the contestant, and every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could they win? Thank you, Adrian. They can, wear the f- they can win the Fear and Trembling Prize for this week is a book from Catholic Answers called Behold Your Mother by Tim Staples. In Behold Your Mother, Tim Staples takes you through the church's teachings about the Blessed Virgin Mary, showing their firm, showing their firm scriptural historical roots and dismantling the objections of those who mistakenly believe that Mary competes for the attention due Christ alone. Available now from Catholic Answers. Thank you very much to Catholic Answers for generously sponsoring the show this morning, especially the book uh, Behold Your Mother. Personally, I, I very much enjoy that book myself. I've read it and used it in the past in some of my work. But that number to call to be, get a chance to win, or maybe even three chances to win, the prize 877 757 seven five seven nine four two four and you're definitely going to want to get a chance to win this prize because the odds are in your favor because have you thought about the fact have you ever bought a lottery ticket before that costs money Eh, maybe not a lot of money depending on how many tickets you buy and but the chances of you winning is astronomically small but the chances of you winning a catholic drive time prize is actually very good. Yeah, pretty it's good. Actually very, very good. So what do you have to do to get a chance to win? You have to pick up the phone and dial 877-757-9424. We always take the first caller. I'm looking over at the phone lines, and we do not have a caller yet. So the next person to dial the number will, in fact, be our contestant. Always when I say this, everybody calls in and I'm like, okay, well, can I call in a little bit earlier? 877-757-9424. And that's the number, 877-757-9424. We always take the first caller on the line. So make sure you pick up that number. And if you're from the, the San Antonio area, we always uh, love our San Antonio callers. Uh, but we often, we rarely get any callers from our other stations, uh, from Kansas, for instance. I don't think we've ever had a caller from Kansas. I'd love to to get a Kansas caller on the line at some point, but uh, maybe not today. Maybe not today. Maybe San Antonio will be the ones to come in clutch, but uh, we shall see. We shall see. Uh, but make sure you go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and there you can find out more information and get all of our all of our phone numbers and all that jazz there. And joining us right now is Sandra. Good morning to you, Sandra. Good morning. Sandra, where are you calling from? San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, Texas coming. I told you guys that the San Antonio would come in clutch. Goodness it's always gracious. San Antonio. We <laughs> we love San Antonio. They, uh, they are probably the most faithful of callers. Um, definitely not calling out anyone else. Uh, just saying, just saying. But where are you off to this morning, Sandra? I am going to take my daughter to school. Hey, praise be to God. When's the last day of school? Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, 
So they get do they get Memorial Day off? Yes, they sure do. But That's hilarious. That's so funny. Yeah. They get Memorial Day off and, and then they, they come, come back. back for one day. And then, okay, I wonder how many people are going to be sick that day, that if you know what torture. I mean. Hint, hint. <laughs> Hint, hint. Uh, but praise be to God. That's awesome. Uh, so congratulations to your daughter on uh, finishing out the school year. Uh, very exciting. Uh, you all have any plans for the summer? No, not quite yet. She's going into high school, so sports camps that she has, band camps. I think that'll keep us a little bit busy this year. Uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. I know uh, we did uh, a lot of activities when we were kids, and uh, my parents were like, we got to get at least a weekend in. So hopefully, uh, normally, actually, our vacation will be coming to your neck of the woods, San Antonio. So I don't know. I guess there's not too much uh, vacation things to do in, in Houston, but y'all are welcome in the Houston area. All righty, Sandra, are you familiar with the game? Are you ready to play the game? Yes, I'm ready. I'm familiar. Awesome. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, question number one. Tito. All right. Here we go. Here we go. This question. Most Catholics in Egypt are part of what right of the church? Oh, yes. That huge 80s hit, right like an Egyptian. Oh. Yes, it's called the Egyptian right. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. That's, that makes sense because the, the, the mass in America is called the American right, right? That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The All American right. right. All right, Sandra. 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, most Catholics in Egypt are part of what right? Tito seems to think it's right like an Egyptian. The Egyptian right. What say you, Sandra, from San Antonio, Texas? <laughs> I'll say yes. Are you sure you're going to go with yes? Uh, yes. You're sure you're going to go with yes, that the, it's the Egyptian right? Okay, I'll go with no. <laughs> She's going to go with no. Way to go, Sandra! Way Good to job, go. Sandra! You nailed it! Wow! Uh, did not, did not even, uh, not for one moment were you, uh, were you the, thrown off there? The depth of your knowledge of African Christianity is incredible. There. Uh, there you go. Very good, Sandra. The correct answer is, in fact, the Coptic rite. The Coptic rite is the Egyptian rite. So in Egypt, the Coptics are the ones who have the mass that's uh, mostly used there. Uh, so very good, Sandra. You got the first one right. Uh, did not trick you for even one moment. Uh, no hesitation at all. Uh, you ready for question number two? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. Question number two. All right. What do we call the mystery of God's innermost life in which the three persons remaining completely distinct are totally united in love? Ah, okay. The three persons completely united in love. The Trinity. The Trinity? Yeah. Is that in the Bible? Is that word in the Bible? I've never heard that word. The Trinity. I'm a Bible-believing Christian. I don't. I, that word doesn't appear in the same, Bible. Same place that the word Bible's on the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, Sandra. 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, what do we call the mystery of God's innermost life in which the three persons remaining completely distinct are totally united in love? Tito seems to think it's Trinity. What say you, Sandra? I'll say Trinity. She says yes. Yes. Way to go, Sandra. Yeah, that is correct. Wow. That is correct. It is, in fact, the Holy Trinity. Ding dong. Very, very good, very good. And yeah, the word Trinity does not appear in the Bible. And like Tito said, neither is Bible. So, awkward. All right, let's go in. Are you ready for question number three? I'm looking at question number three, and I got to say, 
This may be the trickiest question we've ever had on the history of Catholic Drive Time. Are you ready, Sandra? I am ready. She's ready. Did you hear that? That was pure confidence. Let's do it. (laughs) Theologically Question number three. There are two gospel readings during the Mass, according to the 1962 Missal. What is the second gospel call? So there's there's two gospels yes. during the Mass. Right. So there's the first gospel. Right. And Correct. then the second gospel can also be, I guess, the, the last gospel, if we're going to call the first the first. So I'm just going with the last gospel. The last gospel, you say? Yeah, I'm sticking with that. That's my final on- answer. Answer. Okay. Oh, oh, very fancy. I didn't yeah. realize you were a nobleman. Uh, no, no, no. You said uh, my answer. <laughs> answer. Yeah. Answer. From South Yorkshire. Okay. There you go. There you go. That's your Hawaiian accent coming out. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, Sandra. 15 seconds on the clock. According to the 1962 Missal, there are two gospel readings during the Mass. What is the second gospel called? Tito says the first gospel is called the first gospel, and the last gospel is called the last gospel. So what say you, Sandra? Is that correct, or is he wrong? That is not correct. Are you sure you're just not correct? Oh, goodness. <laughs> you have to think first reading, second reading, and gospel. Okay, I'm going to say I'm sure. She said, sure? You're sure? Yes. She said, yes. That is correct, Sandra. Congratulations. Wow. Yes. So at the very, very end of Mass, at the very end of Mass, in the 1962 Missal, they, and every missile before 1962, they go up and they read the Gospel of John, and that's called the last Gospel. Uh, some liturgical scholars say that it came from the Dominican tradition, that they would read the last Gospel as they were exiting, and people were like, hey, I want to hear that! And so they started reading it at the end of Mass. So there you go, fun fact for you, though. I read some Dominicans don't, don't agree with that history, so we'll see. We'll I see. like it. But very good, Sandra. You're three for three. Congratulations. And now your daughter has uh, some factoids to bring Uh, to school this morning so god bless you and have a blessed day yes thank you so much absolutely now stay on the line we're going to put you on hold so we can get your contact information so if we draw your name we can send that prize to you so stay on the line god bless you god love you and have a blessed summer you do the same thank you and that's going to do it for the radio side if you can join us in the after show please do so you can do so by hopping on youtube facebook rumble odyssey We'd love to engage with you there. So many different topics to cover. We talked a lot of things today, so a lot of things to bring up, and I'd be very interested in what your thoughts are. So let's talk in the after show, Rumble, YouTube, Facebook, Odyssey. But if not, we'll see you back 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Of Pope St. Gregory Seventh. This morning's Mass is being offered for all of our listeners on Guadalupe Radio Media and for those joining us online. Holy God, we praise thy name. Lord of all, we bow before thee. All honor thy scepter claim. All in heaven above adore thee. Infinite thy vast domain, everlasting is thy reign. Infinite thy vast domain, everlasting is thy reign. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Christ have, mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Give to your church, we pray, O Lord, that spirit of fortitude and zeal for justice which you made to shine forth in Pope St. Gregory Seventh, so that, rejecting evil, she may be free to carry out in charity whatever is right. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Wishing to determine the truth about why Paul was being accused by the Jews, the commander freed him and ordered the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin to convene. Then he brought Paul down and made him stand before them. Paul was aware that some were Sadducees and some Pharisees, so he called out before the Sanhedrin, My brothers, I am a Pharisee, 
the son of Pharisees, I am on trial for hope in the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the group became divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, or angels, or spirits, while the Pharisees acknowledge all three. A great uproar occurred, and some scribes belonging to the Pharisee party stood up and sharply argued, We find nothing wrong with this man. Suppose a spirit or an angel has spoken to him. The dispute was so serious that the commander, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, ordered his troops to go down and rescue Paul from their midst and take him into the compound. The following night the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for just as you have borne witness to my cause in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness in Rome. The Word of the Lord. Keep me safe, O God, you are my hope. Keep me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, my Lord are you. O Lord, my allotted portion and my cup, you it is who hold fast my lot. Keep me safe, safe, O Lord, you are my hope. I bless the Lord who counsels me. Even in the night my heart exhorts me. I set the Lord ever before me. With him at my right hand I shall not be disturbed. Keep me safe, O God, you are my hope. Therefore my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body too abides in confidence. Because you will not abandon my soul to the netherworld, nor will you suffer your faithful one to undergo corruption. Keep me safe, O God, you are my hope. You will show me the path to life, fullness of joys in your presence, the delights at your right hand forever. Keep me safe, O God, you are my hope. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that the world may believe that you sent me, says the Lord. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Lifting up his eyes to heaven, Jesus prayed, saying, I pray not only for these, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, so that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And I have given them the glory you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be brought to perfection as one, that the world may know that you sent me, and that you loved them even as you loved me. Father, they are your gift to me, I wish that where I am they also may be with me, that they may see my glory that you gave me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and they know that you sent me. I made known to them your name, 
and I will make it known, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. The Gospel of the Lord. This morning's Gospel we hear from Jesus' beautiful priestly prayer, his plea for unity among the body of Christ, among all the believers and all the faithful. And indeed, Jesus even equates and points to the fact that the more we as believers represent the unity between the Father and Son and communion which exists between them, the more we ourselves become a cause for belief. I suppose for us who are made in the image and likeness of God, it reminds us that as love and communion are at the heart of the Most Holy Trinity, we who are made in his image and likeness are called to have communion and unity at the heart of our lives. Indeed, for the church, which is made to be the body of Christ, we can say the church is meant to be like a mosaic. We individual creature, creatures or Christians are the individual pieces of that mosaic who are called to make up Christ's body. And the more that we, the pieces, are doing our part, that we're living love and communion, the more accurately the body of Christ gets represented in the world and the easier it is for people to come to belief. The more those pieces are taken out of the mosaic or are inactive, the more difficult it becomes for people to recognize the church as being the body of Christ and the more difficult it becomes for people to come to belief in Christ. This is the gift of communion that Jesus wills for us and it is the responsibility of communion that he gives to us that in our witness to this communion of the Father and Son, we then become instruments to help lead other people to belief. Similarly, as it is for the church a necessity to live in communion with one another, we also can say that the family, which is composed and meant to be a domestic church, that the family also must have communion at its very heart. Family with communion and love at the heart of it becomes a very real and tangible formator into the very love and communion of God for the children and thereby begins to form people in love to play their part in the church and society to be witnesses of communion. Conversely, we can see the opposite as is tragically seen in our society. The more communion is disintegrated within the family, the more it's disintegrated within the church by our squabbling and quarreling and fighting, the more this communion or the less it is represented and the more trouble that it causes. And the next thing you know, we live in a culture of death as we do. So what are we as individual communions, as individual people called to live and do to be agents of communion within the church? I think there's a number of things that we can point to in our personal responsibility to strive to live as people of communion. And the first is going to be personal conversion, that we each individually are called to have a renewal of heart, to have an openness of heart in relationship with God and with other people, and to be people who are earnestly striving to live in communion with God. And that means living a life of holiness. If we are able to do this, then we ourselves can become agents of communion and sanctification in the world around us. The second step after personal conversion is going to be dialogue. It's no secret 
or no coincidence that communion and communication are two words which are practically the same. Dialogue means a communication of heart with other people. And it's significant that the origin of the word dia means two, and logos really means a word or is a reference to truth. Dialogue is something where two people communicate about truth, and because they have a renewal and openness of heart, they are able to speak and journey with one another toward the truth. If you don't believe in truth, then you can't have dialogue. And this, too, is a big problem in the world that we live in, and its denial of truth becomes very difficult to dialogue because what are you able to move toward if there's no fixed point to say, I need to move toward the truth here, you need to move the truth there, and in our dialogue with one another, we are now moving toward truth and toward holiness. A dialogue is an essential part of moving toward communion, and where there is a breakdown of dialogue and communication, so too there will be a breakdown in communion. Next we can say, as John Paul II pointed out in his encyclical on Christian unity, that Common service and common acts of mission together with other people, whereby we are collaborators in the same mission of Jesus Christ in this world to perform charitable service, this too becomes a point of communion that we Christians are called to witness to together. And finally, of course, we have to point out the importance of prayer. Jesus' priestly prayer for unity, that we would have a share in the union that he has with the Father, it reminds us as well of the necessity for us to pray for unity among Christians, to pray for unity in the church, and to pray for unity among families. Because it really is an essential call of our mission as individuals, of the mission of the family, and of the mission of the church. And so today, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward, let us ask God for the grace that we would always be people who are striving to be renewed in heart in our conversion, to become holy, that we would be people of dialogue based in truth, that we would be people serving with others in common mission, that we would truly be people of prayer, to pray for unity and communion in all aspects of our lives, and that we ourselves then would become agents of communion that Jesus desires us to be. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, filled with paschal joy, let us pray more earnestly to God that he who graciously listened to the prayers and supplications of his beloved Son may now be pleased to look upon us in our lowliness. For the shepherds of our souls, that they may have the strength to govern wisely the flock entrusted to them by the Good Shepherd, let us pray to the Lord. For the whole world, that it may truly know the peace given by Christ, let us pray to the Lord. For our brothers and sisters who suffer, that their sorrow may be turned to gladness which no one can take from them, let us pray to the Lord for our own community, for those joining us online and through radio, that we may bear witness with great confidence to the resurrection of Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. 
O God, who know that our life in this present age is subject to suffering and need, hear the desires of those who cry to you and receive the prayers of those who believe in you through Christ our Lord. Donum Dei Altissimi, Fons Vivus Ignis Caritas, Et Spirita Lis Uncio. Tu septi formis munere, Dextre Dei Tu Digitus, to rite promisum patris, sermone ditans gutura. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Graciously sanctify these gifts, O Lord, we pray, and accepting the oblation of this spiritual sacrifice, make of us an eternal offering to you through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For after his resurrection, he plainly appeared to all his disciples and was taken up to heaven in their sight that he might make us sharers in his divinity. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exalts in your praise. And even the heavenly powers with the angelic host sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Plenis Uncelli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, O Sahana in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, 
so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember our brothers and also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preceptis salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, Sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis de vita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, 
who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. that thou shouldst come to me. But speak the word of comfort, my spirit healed shall be. And humbly I'll receive the bridegroom of my soul. No more by sin to grieve thee, or fly thy sweet control. Eternal Holy Spirit, unworthy though I be, prepare me to receive him, and trust the word to me. Let us pray. May the power of the gifts we have received, Lord God, on this feast day of blessed Gregory the Seventh, fill us with its effects, both to sustain our mortal life and to gain us the joy of unending happiness through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. Regina Celi, Letare, Alleluia. 
The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Thank you for listening to KSHJ, 1430 AM, 